0: Welcome to Ticket to Game Hench, the podcast that discusses the science behind how to get your friends and family to love our favorite band fish, as well as other fish-related topics from the community. You can grab a free chapter of the book at tickettogamehench.com. My name is Adam, and joining me as always is my good buddy, Dr. K. All right, and here we are back at it. uh, Episode number 34 um ticket to game henge we're gonna talk about a lot i guess why don't we as is always the case i think within an hour or probably while we were recording last week they announced uh they dropped pages new song and then the album dropped this past friday uh the album is called maybe we're the visitors right
1: yes yes yeah, i
0: should have written that down but i thought i had it committed to memory clearly i do maybe we're the visitors i listened to it I listened to the first track on, I guess, Tuesday or Wednesday last week when it first dropped. Um, And then I listened to it on, uh, I guess, Friday night when it came out. I'll ask you your thoughts first. What do you think about it?
1: Uh, So I think it's great. I was hoping when I heard the first song, I was hoping it was more like an intro song. Like I was hoping for more music Mm. versus just like ambient sound. But I think it's great. Okay. It's definitely, Um, it's not something I'm going to sit down and listen to, but like in the background for sure. Yeah,
0: I I was thinking that as I was listening to it. Um, I I'll be honest. When I heard the first track, I watched it on Instagram, so yeah. you know it's on, and I'm looking at the image, and I was trying to determine if it was moving or not. <laughs> <laughs> it was, did you do the same thing? Of course. Was, <laughs> I'm like, is something going to happen? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was watching, it going, wait, this. Is the, is the sun moving up or down? Are the, are the northern lights changing? I couldn't really tell. And then I determined about a minute and a half and nothing was changing. It was just a still image. But I, um, And then obviously, I think that is the first track on the album, right? Yes. yes. Yeah. Uh, so then I listened to that again when I listened to the full album. And I listened to it in one full sitting. And I'll be honest, a lot of different things went through my mind. Mostly, when would I choose to listen to this? was the biggest thing i was thinking and uh i didn't really come up with an answer because i think for the most part the answer is never right Um, i i I appreciate it and and i get i get the um you know the need to create and all that stuff and look there's clearly a place for ambient music brian Eno and uh you know that sort of thing has made a you know living off of it but um yeah not really my bag but i appreciate it appreciate the talent um I quickly looked at Reddit today and, and there was a, somebody kind of given some helpful tips of when to listen to something like that. And it was, um, you know, sitting in the bath after smoking a fatty was one of them. Like that's, yep. yeah, that's yep. very, very deliberate. Uh, there was, um, what else? I'll find it. But uh, yeah i mean i appreciate it so i guess that's that's the all but fishman have put out the solo album during during pandemic um we had lonely trip and then noon from mike gordon and then obviously this one here i wonder when fishman's gonna get off his lazy ass and do something but um probably not right
1: i would i does fishman even write music
0: uh yes funny enough i've uh we're gonna get into it because the studio albums i've been listening to and yeah he he has some songwriting credits he wrote lengthwise um okay i don't know if you know that he uh there's a couple little so- so songwriting credits that he has in addition to just being grouped in with the whole band for writing a song um of course now i can't find that post but yeah i mean it's nice uh i i don't know here it is oh i sit to the top Went to the back whatever um Uh, Yeah, you know how that happens, right? You hit the top of your screen and it scrolls right back up to the top of the page. That's what it just did. But um, yeah, I I mean, maybe if I'm trying to fall asleep or I'm sitting by a dock somewhere or maybe under the Northern Lights, it'd be a great thing to listen to. I almost went to Iceland once. It just uh, fell through. When I lived in Newfoundland, I was this close to hopping on a really cheap flight that was connecting from Boston. I uh, had to, to go by myself for about four or five days and then come back. And then I forget what, but something happened at work where I, I couldn't take that time off mm-hmm. and uh, it got kibotched. And I thought at the time, ah, it's okay, I'll go. And then the, that opportunity never came up again. But um, so of uh lonely trip, noon and uh, uh, maybe we're the strangers, which one do you prefer the most? Noon?
1: Is that even a question? Noon is by far the best. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You like that one. I'm gonna have to go back and give that another listen. I haven't really visited it since it came out, what, last summer? Fall?
1: I listen, I listen to that album all the time. Yeah. When did it come out?
0: I know it was last year, but was it summer or fall? It was later, right? Lonely trip was first, and it was after that.
1: Was it after Lonely Trip?
0: Yeah. I'm pretty sure. It was after Sigma Oasis, after Lonely Trip. Um, let me see here. I'll find it right here for you. The order in the app is yep, yeah, Lonely Trip, and then Noon, then Burn It Down, the live tab album, uh, then December, and then Page. Yeah, really, one, uh,
1: two, three, four, six releases since pandemic began. Yeah, but is is December really? No, is no, that really? Is 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 Burn It Down a live album? Is that really a release?
0: No, but it's something new. It's content.
1: I mean. Oh, know. dude, listen, that was that you took the you took the, the thought right out of my mind. I'm I'm happy that uh, we're at a place in time, you know, where artists can release an album like like this one, you know, and it gets listened to and people are excited to at least put it on and, and to and to give it a try. Yeah. Right. Whereas like if you're working for like the record company, you know, you would bring this and they'd be like, I don't know what this is, but we're not doing anything with this.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's funny how record companies will uh... and they're often wrong too right and that's the reality of it too i mean it it, that does happen for sure but then the artist has to go and try to find an audience for it which has been done you know i don't know if you know the story of wilco and their uh, album yankee hotel foxtrot you know that yep yeah Yeah. biggest biggest coup in record industry history signed for three signed for three times the amount of money with the same parent company label it's the best because the first one was like we don't know what to do with this album they go, okay, it was 99 and the internet was kind of new. They put it on their site. People could download and stream it for free. They toured behind it and then uh, fully fully put it
1: out with the new label and um, have done very well since. So, um, You know, the uh, speaking of record companies, do you know the uh, Velvet Underground story? No. So he wanted to get out of his contract because he had all these ideas. Um, and they're like, well, you owe us this many albums. The last album was literally just feedback for 45 minutes
0: that's awesome that's very similar to the clash when they came out with sandinista after after london calling so london calling clearly their their uh marquee album and it was a double album and they wanted to follow it up with another double album yeah studios like no can't do two double albums in a row it's never been done we can't market it okay what about a triple album all right so they made a triple album and the third disc was shit on purpose, <laughs> right? Like I love those kinds of stories. It's uh I don't know if that stuff is going on nowadays. I wonder. I doubt it. I think there's too many options to be completely independent where you don't need to have to play that game with a record label now.
1: But uh well, it's so funny, like you know, and it's kind of like paralleled for society, you know. Now as an artist, like you have freedom, man, go for it. Like work hard, grow your following, do whatever the hell you want. And what do you see? You see. And this is what I see. I see a lot of artists who are thankful, but a lot of them are complaining. Mm. They want like the safety, if you can call it that, of like the record label. I'm like, dude, you have autonomy, man. Go grow your following. What are you waiting for? Yeah,
0: I and mean, then you'll get that in time, I guess, right? But or I think... not
1: because 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 the the circumstances aren't right, or God forbid, maybe you're just not that good. Maybe people don't care for your music that much. Yeah. Well, I would
0: also think of something like that. There's the there's the um... I guess the self, the self doubt that would go along with that, like, like I think that exists within everybody to a degree. They have the dream. That there's that inner critic that might be keeping them behind, and they don't know that they can fully get their on their own, and they need that help. Um, obviously everybody's different, but you
1: know,
0: I wonder. I think people
1: are just lazy, man.
0: To be honest, like, yo, it's just hard work. Right. Yeah, it's true. The right thing to do and the hard thing to do are usually the same thing, and that includes hard work, putting in effort. You know uh a, I, a lot of it I, yeah um speaking of effort we're talking about studio albums and stuff so last week i i was uh kind of talking about wrapping up the uh 20 the 2010 year i suppose and i was i think about to start i was on the 30th of december 1230 we talked about that a bit um and i kind of committed that after i would uh go through that that i would go through the studio albums so i'm I'm listening to 1231 um last week late last week and i'm starting to think it's getting towards the end of the show and i'm thinking ahead to the studio albums and i'm kind of getting in that mindset as the show is wrapping up and um so you know in the app you go in you can sort by year and you go through and you find it all so i had proactively gone in and i had downloaded the white tape i downloaded junta uh lawn boy um and then it's the last song of 1231 2010 i want to say it was fluff head uh that ended it and just at the very end you know trey's doing what you would expect um hey guys thanks for a great year uh you know we'll see you in the summer we'll miss you blah 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 blah. oh it was first tube and he goes oh oh yeah we're back tomorrow night we'll see you tomorrow night and i went what and then i look there's a there's a rare january 1st 2011 show so i figured i had to kind of continue to that but the mindset of I, I wrote down when it happened, a bonus show it wasn't a bonus show. I mean it was clearly advertised and people bought tickets for it way back when, but to me, I had no idea what was coming up and I felt like I'd gotten a free show out of nowhere for some reason. <laughs> and <then laughs> I listened awesome. to it, and it's fucking awesome. Like I was so I was so happy that I listened all the way to the very end. And you know, he he mentioned that they were gonna be back the following night. And the second set in that show, I was gonna text you to recommend it. Is just, uh, it's a six-song set, but it's really, really good. And even the first set, I mean, listen to the show. I'll just, I'll just kind of recommend it. Yeah, and
1: go, for, go for it.
0: It, it kind of remind me. I know I'm gonna get into studio albums, but it just felt like. The big show was behind them. The New Year's Eve gag, which was the meat stick gag, the night before, by the way, um, yeah. that was behind them. And it was almost like the day after a show like that, they just sort of let their hair down, for lack of a better phrase, and just had fun with the show. And it was a really, really great set with a lot of cool surprises and cool things in it. So, I definitely recommend that one. Um, funny little story about meat stick. Do you know? Do you know where the origin of meat stick is from, and how they kind of what what that's all about? No, tell me. So I think it was 96 I think I know
1: 96. I think I know but just tell me anyway. Yeah,
0: the story as I recall it is uh it was like 96 97 they're in this hotel room that had like a mini bar and they had kind of gone through most of the things in the mini bar and there was this pepperoni stick that was like the last thing that nobody was willing to eat. Now in the background, in the subculture, the Macarena dance had become really popular. I think a couple of years prior, that was more of a 93, 94 kind of a thing, if I remember. But they were joking around that they wanted a song that had a dance that everybody knew and late in the night after drinking and doing whatever they were doing the meat stick was like the last thing that was left at the mini bar and somebody finally went for it and they created a song off of that one night event just because it was funny and then it turned into what it's turned into um i don't know about you when i start to hear those chords of the meat stick oh
1: i I love meat stick it's awesome man
0: um, but again, it's one of those songs that when I'm humming it and singing it and I'll, you know, time for the meat stick, I'll say that out loud. And I get the look from Megan, like, what the fuck? And then she's on to something else. But I'm
1: actually surprised that's not a song she's walked in on.
0: It's it's not that common. You don't, you don't, it's it it's not played as frequently as some as some of the others that she's walked in on. But um so let's talk a little <laughs> bit about studio albums as well. So you haven't really gone back to listen to those in a long time, right? Um so my goal, I guess, is not taking very long. I'm, uh, ironically, <laughs> I'm stuck. I came in last night in the middle of Scent of a Mule. Ironically, that's where I'm kind of stuck. Um, yes. And I do have a recommend, actually, for Rochelle, get her to listen to the studio version. I think that's she would appreciate it more. I, I I think she'd be able to hear more of the detail. There's uh, Bela Fleck playing the banjo on that, which helps a little bit. But I think she might have a different appreciation for the studio version. Um, Mike's voice sounds really good on it. So I don't know Just putting that out there. Cool. Um, so I went back to the white tape and started from there. I had never listened to the white tape before. Uh, so I kind of didn't know what to expect. So I was pretty open-minded. Um, it lists in here that it was uh, from 1984, but after doing a little bit more digging around, it actually was written between 84 and 85. Didn't really get put out until 86. Um, 84 and 85 is when Jeff Holdsworth was with the band right from that i've read they kind of went back and eliminated his parts out of that they re-recorded some things digitally mastered it and changed and changed it up a little bit so he uh, from what i can guess and i found this out after it seems as though he's been ghosted from the album as i was listening to, to it though there's a lot of weird stuff on there there's a oh, lot yeah of really really weird stuff on there and uh I was wondering how much of that was influenced by Jeff Holdsworth versus, you know, the, the foursome that we know now, it turns out not so much. It was just them being creative and doing whatever they wanted to do.
1: Yeah. It seemed like, it seemed like he wanted to stay more straight up. Yeah. Versus like do that type of stuff.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, and when he left the band, he he had a he had a religious awakening and uh, wanted to focus on spiritual music and acoustic music more than anything else. So um fine. I mean, it, and really it was only six month overlap when Paige came in when he was there, and then he was gone and, and Paige was permanent member of the band. So um one thing that I'll say about that, so yeah, is only 55 seconds. It's a quick little intro. Divided sky is only a minute and 16. It's just a short, short little thing, but it tastes. Yep. And you can definitely in these songs hear where they're going. You can, you can hear fish. There's no doubt. Uh it's just not as polished. The recording isn't as great. The one that really stuck in my craw is um NO, NO2, which I believe scientifically, is that nitrous oxide? NO2? Yep. Um, do you know that track at all?
1: it's just isn't it just uh, when they play it live it's just Fishman on the vacuum cleaner
0: yeah so on this it's um mike doing vocals with a lot of echo and you're basically as a listener in the dentist chair and they're working on your right teeth. right yeah. and right. Dude, that the, the, i don't know about you i hate the dentist Crentis the dentist is not my buddy i don't i <laughs> know so i was listening to it and i can tell you exactly where i was driving where i winced when the sound of the drill came in and i oh god i just did not like it but i plowed through it and i still listen to it anyway not a track and go back and select on my own um run like landelope is on the back end of that album pretty good acdc bag is good one of the things i've noticed in the early days is the pronunciation of certain words
1: yeah it's funny right
0: acdc bag they do that (laughs) there's another song that i'll kind of get to as i scroll as i scroll through another thing that i've noticed um with a lot of the studio tracks is the tempo is much slower you know, it it, it uh, you go to listen to um, uh, like "Divided Sky" is slower, "Fluffhead" is slower, "Bowie" is slower, um, and it it really makes me appreciate the energy that they bring to these songs live. The totally in there, especially when you get into like mid '90s to late '90s fish when they're going super fast on things. It uh, that was something that really stuck out. Um, the production, the background vocals uh junta was next and obviously that was the first one that i was really familiar with um in its full version it's a two-hour album like so i'm thinking about if you went to see fish in like nine, 1990 and and that and that was available to, to to buy whether at the venue or the stores probably at the time the best representation of a live fish show that you would get on an album Right before they had any live albums because they're very long songs. They didn't compromise for time. Union Federal, although they don't really play it anymore, it's just a studio jam anyway. Or it's, I think, actually no, sorry, I think it's a live jam. Um, but I'm blown away that this album is you know 32 years old and it still holds up the way that it holds up. Sounds incredible, right? It, it's it's really really good. Um, I mean the fact they play one two three four five six seven eight call fluffhead and fluff's travels one song nine ten. They play every song still, except for Union Federal. Union Federal, yeah. You know, um, pretty great. So that, that was definitely a highlight listening to that. A short yam, short do yeah, at only 10 minutes, um, but really good. Lomboy, an album that I don't think I ever bought Lomboy on CD. I don't think I ever did. So it was one that I wasn't that familiar with in terms of studio, but the songs that are on here, Squirming Coil, Reba, My Sweet One, Little Open and Melt, Okie Pop, Gin, Antelope, Lomboy, and Bouncing Around the Room. Uh, play all of them. yeah yeah um yeah i'm trying to think the screaming, screaming coil was a shorter one reba was slower a slower pace on the album too you know but uh really really fun to kind of listen to them and and um just hear the quality of the musicianship uh i got through a picture of nectar um so weird to hear tweezer on an album i know i that, that really kind of messed me up the I know the tweezer repriser at the end is pretty, is pretty straightforward. But um, yeah, it uh, really, it really kind of messed me up hearing that because it didn't have the same sort of feel on it. I also have been looking at all of the liner notes and the information on these as I've been going through and with each progressive album, album, the notes get longer and longer, more people involved, more players, more background singers. Um, You know, like if you look at um, Hoist, it's really you know, uh that's a very mainstream record, I would say, with the exception of demand at the very end, it's mostly radio friendly stuff.
1: Well, that's the best that's the best selling one, right, of all time.
0: Is it? Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't surprise me. I figured it was either that or Billy breathes just based on timing, when people were buying records, when you know, uh popularity of
1: bands. Yeah.
0: And, and Billy breeze was produced by Lily White, um, really well known producer, probably the most famous producer that they worked with, but only that one time. Um so yeah, I mean, I would definitely recommend, I, I'm curious to see in the next week as I, you know, progress through, I'll be hitting, I guess, Billy Breathe tonight, and then into Story of a Ghost in the next few days, and kind of get into those, but um, yeah, it's been interesting, just, just you know, to go back to the, to, to the origins of those songs, at least at that time, and uh, funny how some have really changed, some haven't much at all the amount of background vocals and horns in certain songs caught me by surprise. I knew it on hoist, but uh, you know, there's a few other, a few other tracks that have that, but still, still good. still good.
1: I'd recommend if you're looking for a quick listen or something like that, check it out. It's interesting that like, you know, the complaint against live music is just, um, you know, it doesn't sound as full or it doesn't sound mm-hmm. as rich or, mm-hmm. But it's just so funny how these guys just bring it harder when they play like like live, and it's amazing how much space, and yet you can still hear everybody through the mix. How full four mm. dudes sound when you have tracks where there's like multiple musicians and multiple tracks and overdubs and everything. It's just amazing how these songs translate live, and they're even better. Yeah, yeah, I kind of made that comment or uh, something
0: similar when we were watching Beacon jams every week, and um, it really made me appreciate with how big that band was that fish with only four of them were yeah. get such a broad sound out of that. It, it's, um, you know, I mean, you could argue that you almost have five with Paige's ability to play two sets of keys at the same, at the same time. Yep. But nevertheless, it's, yeah, it's very, very impressive. And, you know, the studio stuff will have a lot more of that detail. You know, you're going to hear like Bela Fleck is on a few tracks on, um, on voiced, uh, including send of the Mule, um, life boy as well. Um, do you know do you know who the female singer is on if I could? Pretty well known. No. No, it's Allison Krause. Oh, nice. Yeah. She was only yeah. 3 at the time, but um... I looked that up because I recognized the voice and I knew the the track from when I used to listen to it. It did take me back. There was a nostalgic feel, I will say, listening to these albums, specifically Rift and Hoist, because those were two of my most commonly played. And I was taken back to like riding the bus to and from work with my Sony Discman. You know, I had the white one with the orange was like the sports Discman that had, I think like a 10 second anti-skip feature on it. Yeah, 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 yeah. uh, uh, Yeah, I was sort of taken back to to some of those times um bussing up to Fanshawe college or up to up to my job at campus crew um you know the memory lanes it definitely opened up there for me um yeah i don't i don't think i'm gonna stop and listen to the live ones and i'm not sure if i'm gonna listen to the sicket disc i might skip the sicket disc which i do have on cd by the way uh because it came out right after the hiatus and um you i know. think
1: you should listen to it yeah well, got, let's go I think you know, I think you know what you're getting into. So, you know, the environment in which you're going to put it on. Yeah. Right. Like you don't have to be an active listener of the sicket mm Mm-hmm.
0: That's true. That's true. Um, I did want to point out too, let me go back in and have a look. There are a few albums where um, in the liner notes, uh, Fishman isn't called Fishman. <laughs> He's uh, let's see, I think it starts picture of nectar. So He's listed as, oh no, he's listed as John Fishman. It must be Rift where it starts. They put in nicknames for him. Um, Here it is. (laughs) He's Tubbs. So on Rift, he's listed as Tubbs and his instrument are Tubbs. His name is Tubbs with two B's and the instrument is Tubbs with one B. Uh, I was like, okay. And I remember that was the first album that I ever listened to and it was from you. And I remember reading that and I completely forgot about it until I saw it again uh, just last night. And then on Hoist, he's listed as john quote greasy physique physique is spelled F-I-Z-E-E-K. greasy physique fishman um so that was pretty funny and i don't know i'm gonna look ahead to see if there's anything funny on billy breeds that he's listed under uh no just john fishman so um yeah, I mean, you can clearly, even in some of the songs, so you can hear their humor, the way the way that things end, the way that Bouncing Around the Room ends that album on Limeboy, it's not how the song ends
1: uh, when you hear it live. It has a weird... So, bouncing Around the Room was an afterthought, though, right? It was the last song that was written on that album. Okay. Yeah, so him and, uh, him and Tom got together, and they're like, oh, we got some room, and we have a little bit more recording time. Let's just put together a track, and that's what they came up with.
0: Hmm. And I believe it's commercially the most successful song. Like it made its rounds in in uh, in the college dorm rooms as like a as like a bit of a single. And people would go to see fish shows based on that one song. Like there was a time where that was the song that people know knew if you didn't know fish. So if you met somebody at a party and you talk about fish, they go, Oh, I like fish too. Oh yeah, well, what do you know? Oh, I like bouncing around the room. As a fish fan, you'd be like, Oh, you don't like fish. <laughs> you don't really know that's the only
1: song you don't know. I still, uh, I don't know if you come across that, but I come across that all the time. Anytime someone's like, oh, I love fish in my mind. I'm like, let me guess. You listen to Billy Breeds and you like, and you like bouncing around the room. Yeah. Well, I, I haven't had many
0: opportunities where somebody said that to me. I i love fish. It just doesn't come up in my life. If you're
1: also, you're working with people who are
0: typically younger than you.
1: Um, yeah, mostly. Um, or older than you. Or yeah, I'm kind of in the middle. Yeah, I have to find people your age that went to like university and college at the same time that we would have been there.
0: Or even a little bit older. Like I would say, you know, the fans that were going to see fish in college when they were in college are generally than us by about eight, nine, 10 years, right? Um,
1: Yeah, I would agree.
0: But uh, yeah, like I would say there's, there's more mid to late 40s, early 50s fish fans than any other age group, if I had to bother that. Um, well that was
1: the time right historically when like the jam band scene was the biggest and you know jerry died and that's yeah. what kids in college did man
0: yeah there's a lot going on in the scene that time too it, especially in the mid 90s when grunge was kind of fading out again and like alternative rock was coming out too there was a there was a lot of music scene going on then um which was cool um so yeah, I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna keep plowing through just to sort of revisit everything and then uh maybe in the meantime we'll get thrown some new stuff. Uh I don't know. We'll see. I mean, Trey might be up to something. Apparently, uh Fishman and Mike Gordon just got together about a week ago. They posted a picture of them together hanging out on Instagram. Don't know if that means well, anything, but they are buddies, they just might be hanging
1: out for the sake of hanging out. Dude, they're they're together and they're making music for sure. Whether we're gonna hear that or not. Mm you don't know somebody for 40 years and have every second be about music and then not create music when you get together.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I guess so. That's like you and
1: me getting together with like the rest of the boys. I'm not talking about like that one time in high school, you know, like it's just (laughs) given with the
0: situation. I guess that's a good point. I suppose that's true. Um, yeah, those are everything that I had on my list today. So yeah, get Rochelle to listen to the album version of son of a mule. I think she'll, uh, I think she'll dig it. Um, Yeah, she'll get there. I think she'll get there on that one.
1: Oh, I think she's already there.
0: Oh, really? She's already come back around on it. Oh yeah. Really? What oh,
1: changed? Yeah. Like that didn't take long.
0: That's that's like two weeks.
1: Well, all that, dude. All it all it takes. It's so funny how it works with this. Like, there's a huge. It seems to be that there's a huge hurdle to cross at the very beginning. Okay. And if you can cross the huge hurdle, like then you're like, oh, this song is awesome, or this part is awesome right and the part becomes so awesome or the song becomes so awesome that you're willing to put up with like the rest of the song that doesn't sound awesome like take reba for example like this is yep. exactly how it happened with rochelle right mm-hmm. it was the the jam part that she was like this is incredible and it was such an incredible part that she could deal with like the weird vocal arrangement and the weird like dissonance sounding kind of midsection there yeah and then there was a part in the midsection that she really started to like and then after that, everything just kind of falls into place. And you're like, wow, this song's awesome.
0: Yeah. You no, know, I yeah, I get that. You you, you kind of deal with the stuff to get to the stuff that you really, really like. Yeah. And, and then over time you end up liking that stuff because it's all you at first it's compartmentalized when you when you yeah. hear that song. You're waiting to get to the part. And I remember driving around with friends or my brother and it's, oh, listen to this part, listen to this part, instead of listening to the whole thing that we would typically do. And uh, yeah, I found that to be true of um, music videos back in the day when they were popular. you know, you'd be watching the video and that would help you with the parts of the song you didn't like, or you, you'd kind of learn to love it more
1: and more. Um, well, just it's, really- written, it's written for the hook, right? Like that's how yeah. pop music has taught us. Pop music yes. is written for the hook, whereas yeah. like any other music, the movement is there to be appreciated while it's happening yeah
0: yeah it's that philosophy of don't bore us get to the chorus um, right which but part, like if you if you were to
1: sense. go see like john coltrane and miles davis it wouldn't be like oh well Miles stop playing so i can get to john solo in this one part that i really need to hear yeah yeah right it'd be like it would be the whole thing it would be the energy and it would be how they're feeling and the atmosphere and that's why it's live music
0: yeah and i wonder too about when um when you're so adamant against, like not against the song, but with Russell's first reaction there, you almost wonder if there's more of an opportunity to convert somebody from that end of the spectrum all the way to the other end versus if somebody's just indifferent about a song and just doesn't care either way, right? Like if somebody passionately doesn't like something, yeah, there's probably a chance they passionately like things on the other end of things, but is there a better chance for them to go all the way over than if they just don't give a crap at all either way in the first place?
1: Yeah. So indifference is the worst, right? Indifference is lack of emotion. Mm-hmm. I would take, I would take having a conversation with an angry person because they care at some level. That's why they're angry. Yeah. Right. Like people who are angry at fish are like, I love music and this offends me so much that I'm pissed off about it.
0: Yeah. I was reading last week, I was just sort <laughs> of uh, trying to generate some ideas for our, for our conversation and I didn't really bring it up, but I, I Googled why do people hate fish? Yeah. And I got this article from 2013 or 14 uh, from a guy who's a music critic and uh, talk about how he's a music critic and all this other stuff and how he thinks fish are terrible. They don't know what they're doing. Their no- The notes that they choose to play are soulless and all this other stuff. And I was getting angry. Right. Recently and and i thought okay he's writing an article he's provoking a response he's got a job but he said openly in there that that wasn't about that this was to just say and prove that they're not he wasn't reviewing anything he he was just basically shitting on the band i was just annoyed and i thought like how can you be a music critic he didn't even give them any credit where credit was due that's the thing that bothered me the most yeah you know, like i could see somebody who doesn't know anything about music or whatever saying that it's bad but if you do know may not be for you it might not be something that you would choose to listen to but you can't say that they like don't know how to write a song don't know how to play their instruments well don't know how to like so annoyed so annoyed when i read that but because you know whatever somebody's opinion and it uh, i believe that opinion to be wrong but i mean if even if i don't like a certain kind of like like a like pages album i'm not a huge fan of that kind of music but I respect that it takes time and effort and
1: creativity and a lot of things to make something like that happen, you know? So, so I, I, ha- I mean, I'd have to read it right. To, to actually, to actually like break down the, you know, the arguments, but I don't know, man, like there's a lot like to say that they can't write a song. That's just wrong. Like, forget it's your opinion. It's, it's wrong. Like there's a structure to the song, right? Like to, in order to, in order to make a comment like that, you would really have to define you're dropping context, right? So who does write a great song? Mm -hmm. right why is it like you have to you can't you can't just write off the cuff stuff like that that's just more that's that's modern journalism these days right right like it's you know like you're flat out lying yeah yeah i think you're right um you know like to say to say that i don't i don't like the the no choices or i don't like you know he plays with too much dissonance or whatever that's fair Mm-hmm. for my taste, like as soon as you talk about your taste sky's the limit man you can like whatever you want but like to bring objective criticism where it doesn't belong you got to really like you got to define your terminology with that
0: yeah i agree yeah i'll try to find it and send it to you but i, I just kept re- I'm, I'm glad it's not current um it was for a pretty big um like it wasn't uh it wasn't for a little blog site or anything like that. It was for like a legit site, like a legit magazine or something like that. And I forget, I'll have to try to track it. It's not highlighted in purple in my phone, which you'd think it would be, um, but I'll find it. And I'm sure, honestly, you can find a lot of articles like that about fish. They can be pretty, pretty polarizing. But the thing about that, you just going to say they do provoke an emotion. They, I don't think there's a lot of people that listen to fish that would be just meh, indifferent. They're going to have an opinion one way or the other, you know, and that's not such a bad thing. Um, you know, it kind of reminds me of, uh, of, uh, a thing that I heard in an interview with Trey, that if they, if they know what's coming, what's the point in, in his philosophy when it comes to writing music, if they know what's coming next, he wants it to be unpredictable and a little bit different because otherwise what's the
1: point? He doesn't want to be agree. anybody else. So, um, I agree. So yeah. well, that's kind of like, isn't that kind of like the reason why like rock is dead, mm. you know, mm. like we're still, we're still copying Led Zeppelin riffs, you know, 40 yeah. years later. Yeah. Yeah. A
0: band like Train doesn't make a new album. Instead, they do Led Zeppelin 3 and cover it note for note. Right. Yeah. They did that a few years ago. I, don't know, I know.
1: That's, but that's exactly well, my point.
0: It's like, it reminds me of, um, I remember you and I were watching a Henry Rollins spoken word thing. And do you remember his opinion about cover bands? Yeah. Yep. There's no, I, what was it? I think I'm calling it right. There's no lower aspiration in life than to be in a cover band guess what he wrote like you know uh, whatever I I
1: actually I actually quote him all the time right he's like you can play you know you can well what's your claim to fame buddy you can play Eddie Van Halen just as good as Eddie Van Halen
0: is that what he says yeah
1: (laughs) something like that I mean it might have not been Van Halen but it was just the the idea of like wow you know like your claim to fame is you sound just like somebody else yeah
0: yeah there's a guy with a lot of opinions eh Henry yeah,
1: some good, some bad,
0: some like inconsistent too, <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, he's a human; he changes, man. Yeah, that's true. I suppose that's true. But I even saw him one time in a show, and he was inconsistent. Talked about so many, so many times when Andrew and I went to see him at Centennial Hall, and so much of his show—I guess you can call it that—was about controversy and yeah, man, I'll fucking take you down, bro. Like those types of conflicts and and and, and anger and some violence and fighting. And then at the end of the show, he wraps it up with a typical 3.0. Like, hey, it's all about love, man. We all, we're all brothers and sisters in this together. And, you know, when you had that shitty car, you never piss in that gas tank. You took care of it. You should be taking care of yourself too, man. Things like that. But meanwhile, for an hour and a half, he talked about the stuff he talks about.
1: Do you, um, have you heard of the YouTube channel? It's called Punk Rock NBA? No. I'm not so a, big a YouTuber.
0: I search on YouTube specifically for things, but I don't like look at channels. I don't browse
1: for whatever. I just yeah, YouTube's a YouTube's a search engine, right? So you're using it correctly, how most people use it. Anyways, punk rock MBA, he did a video on like Henry Rollins. And like that's one of the things he talked about. He's like, is Henry Rollins like, you know, this icon or is he like a poser? Mm -hmm. like which like which one is it and he kind of it was kind of like he's both like he was important to like that whole movement and like he did some like kind of really shitty like cringeworthy things at times yeah that's human being i suppose called being a human being man yeah and i remember when you found that remember when you found that video of us like at at seneca like i couldn't i couldn't (laughs) i was talking about
0: that and actually it made me think about this when i was listening to like you know old fish and how they could have the ability to go back and listen to themselves in time and would they be happy with it would they you know um of course they would they'd yeah. be happy with it yeah uh well cuz it it was the means to the end they they had to go through that to get to where they are and that's what was pointed out to me when i watched that video of of us when we were we would have been 22 23 and i was watching it when i was like 37 38 and I was embarrassed to see me and how I was acting and the things I was saying. And there was nothing like there was no cancel cultures type stuff in there. I was just, I remember how I thought of myself at that age. And then I saw myself outside of myself. If that makes any sense. Did I, yeah. myself? I don't know, but um, yeah. But then Megan quickly pointed out to me, she was, well, I'm glad you're annoyed. I'm glad you're a little bit embarrassed by yourself. It means you're growing. It means you're evolving. It means that you've matured and you, you don't want to be that person anymore. And, and uh so I guess it was sort of cathartic in that sense, but still embarrassing. I didn't know, man. Hair. That was nice. I did have hair in those videos. That was, I did enjoy that.
1: I think, I, number one, I think you look great. Number two, I don't think that fish feels that way when they listen to themselves. I think they're like, that was awesome.
0: Yeah. And you can, and you know what, that's a good point. And, and And you can tell they're pouring everything into it you know even on that white tape although it's early days and the recording equipment wasn't there you didn't have the languedoc i forgot to mention that the sound is distinctly different I know. it's crazy it it's crazy right I mean, yeah that that is such an iconic sound of fish and trade but um yeah there's no doubt there's a lot of ambition in that record and you know a lot of But i think
1: was spent. i think the lesson is just to like just give yourself some grace and be happy that you were there and that you did it
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. probably good advice all right, that's probably a good note to wrap up on. All right, everybody, as always, a call to action. I had you post something on a poll the other day. Um, I don't know. Uh, make a comment. Um, tell us how much you like. Tell us how much you think Dr. K looks like Mike Gordon with his hair. I think a little bit. A little bit with that hair, you Kind of got a Mike, a Mike Gordon 3.0 look going on. I would dare you to go to a Mike Gordon 1.0 look if you're, if you're so daring. Could you pull it off? I wouldn't.
1: I would not be, my hair doesn't grow like that. Number one. It's and uh, right. I don't think I'd be married after that. So there. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, man. Have a great week. Thanks again. Yeah, see you, buddy. Bye.
0: You've been listening to ticket to Gamehenge. In addition to wherever you find your podcasts, you can find us on Instagram, YouTube, and of course, ticket to dot where you can grab a free chapter of the book, how to get your friends into fish. Make sure you subscribe to stay up to date on the latest episodes. Thanks again for listening, and until
1: next time, keep sharing in the groove.